Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and we're, we're celebrating Palm Sunday this morning. So we all join me in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time this morning to worship you. I pray, Lord, that, um, that this would just be a, a, a precious time for us, a, a time of praise, a time of worship, a time of, of meeting you here in, in this sanctuary and as a congregation rejoicing in what you have accomplished for us. Lord, I pray that, that you would give us eyes to to see the, the magnitude of, of what it is that you have done for us and that the result would be just heartfelt praise. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This week, my little five-year-old Jonathan has been throughout the whole week saying, Daddy, do you know what this Sunday is coming up? I said, what is it, Jonathan? It's Palm Sunday. All week long, it's Palm Sunday coming up, Daddy. He would ask me in the middle of the week, what day is it today? Okay, we have this many more days until Palm Sunday, Daddy. His little sister has a cough that's, that's, that's been kind of bad, so she stayed at home this morning, and Jonathan did not want to get that, and so he... What he doesn't know is he already had it, but gave it to his sister. But <laughs> this morning he came running and jumped on our bed earlier than we would have liked him to. And he said, Daddy, I don't have a cough. I said, I know, you're doing well. Does that mean I get to go to church today for Palm Sunday? And I said, yeah, you get to go to church today. And his response was, yes! And I'm sure that was all of you guys this morning as you prepared for church. His baby sister said, I want to go to church. I said, sweetie, you still have a little bit of a cough. You can't, you can't go this morning. And she cried. So I told her I'd get her the CD so she'll have that after. <laughs> but we look at this in... I pray that, that this morning would truly be a time for us to, to celebrate. The text before us comes here in the book of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, Rejoice greatly, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. We, we have a text before us that was given hundreds of years before Palm Sunday ever took place. A verse that, that in this particular section, it is pointing us ahead to Christ who was to come to this event that was to occur. We look and, and we see the coronation of our king. The title of the, this morning's message is Behold Your King, Your King. We look and we see that 
there were other places in the Old Testament that looked ahead to Palm Sunday that was to come. In Genesis chapter 49, in, in Daniel chapter 9, we look at this and we see that, that God was, was telling us that this day would come. Not only would it come, but literally was, we, we looked last year. I mean, it, it takes you from, from Daniel chapter 9, you can look at it and find the exact day, the exact day in which Christ would come. And, and he came on that exact day that was prophesied far before. Jesus was crucified on the, the 14th of Nisan, and Palm Sunday would have fallen on the 10th of Nisan. The, that means that on that particular day, on Palm, on Palm Sunday, you would have had hundreds of thousands of lambs also on that road up to Jerusalem. Josephus, the, the Jewish historian, tells us that in, in one particular year, the census was taken, and there was 256,500 lambs that were going up to Jerusalem. Over 256,000 lambs going up that road towards Jerusalem. The lambs were to be kept in the homes for three days. And then on the fourth day, they were sacrificed. And so you picture Jesus on this road, going up to Jerusalem with, with hundreds, thousands of lambs going along that same road up to Jerusalem. And on the same day in which they were sacrificed, on the same day Jesus was crucified, the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of it planned. Every aspect of it is planned from the, the very beginning. We'll be looking at that throughout the next several sermons this week. Turn with me for a moment to the book of Luke to chapter 19. We'll, we'll read what was taking place as we, as we see this event occurring. In Luke chapter 19, verse 29, it says, And it, it came to pass when, when he, Jesus, drew near to Bethage and Bethany at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village opposite you. Where you, where, where, where as you enter, you will find a, a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it, just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of them. And then they brought him to Jesus. And they threw their own clothes on the, the colt, and, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near 
the descent of the Mount of Olives, the, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. What an awesome picture that we see here. We hear in Matthew and and Mark and Luke, John, all the way through, you, you find different accounts of this event. Matthew tells us that the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. John tells us they took branches of of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is just an an absolutely awesome scene of what's taking place. Our king Our sovereign king of the universe, our king is in control of all of it. In control of all of it. From the very beginning, this this picture of the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. The one in whom Scripture tells us he was slain before the foundations of the world. Scripture tells us that, that the... This whole sacrificial system was set up to to take a lamb without spot or blemish or any such thing and and to sacrifice it. To have the sins of the people go upon that particular lamb and to have it be a sacrifice. Telling them to go to Jerusalem. Telling them to go and to, and to... to go on that particular day and there, for them to have three days where it, it is to stay in their home and on the fourth day that it is to be sacrificed. But all of it pointing ahead to Christ who we're told and, and Zechariah would, would come. And, and that this event of him coming, the, the coronation of the king, of him coming, all of it pointing to that day when, when Christ would be going Along that road, having people waving palm branches, having people singing Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna meaning save now, save us, save now. Saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. This praise that's taking place, this this, this incredible, Incredible moment as you see Christ there on this, this colt, this foal of a donkey. The details that are given. Details given that, that nobody was to have ridden this before because the Lord was going to use it. It was only to be used. This animal was only to be used by the Lord. Nobody was ever to work it before. No, no sacrifice could ever be given that had been used to, to be something that was worked before. And, and now you have... This, this animal that's, that's been brought, it's, it's a colt, it's the foal of a donkey, it's this, this lowly animal. And, and, and God told us beforehand that this was going to take place. 
the details of it where Jesus with, with his sovereignty, with his power, telling disciples, you're going to go into the village opposite of you. You're going to go to this particular village. You're going to find there a colt that's tied. One that nobody's ever sat on. Loose it and bring it here. And if someone asks you, tell them that the Lord has need of it. And it happened exactly the way that he said. Every detail of it, he knew exactly what was going to take place. He knew exactly what was going to occur. He knew that all of this would take place, thus that it would be fulfilled in Zechariah 9.9 on the exact day that had been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before, that on that exact day, that Christ would come just and having salvation, our king, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the full of a donkey, that it would happen exactly the way that he said. You could go through scripture and look at the detail of the days that would have to happen, what would take place to bring it to exactly that particular day, exactly in that particular year, exactly in a time where it had been prophesied beforehand that it must take place on this particular day. All of it points to, 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 to a place where I read of some saying that th- there would be no further information needed as far as the inerrancy of Scripture than just to look at this particular account alone, that all of it happened totally, perfectly in unity to make it so that we would see that Christ was the Messiah who was to come. You look at it and God tells us how we are to respond to it. Let's go back to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. He begins by saying, Rejoice greatly. Rejoice greatly. You you picture Jonathan this morning with both hands up in the air. Yes, I get to go. But something that's supposed to take place in our heart at the idea of what it is that is occurring here. Rejoice greatly. It's, it's not just be joyful in this, it's rejoice greatly. And the idea is all of us come together. All of us come together and rejoice greatly in what is taking place. Palm Sunday is to be a day that we look at and it should cause our hearts, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of our health, regardless of the pressures that are coming on us outside and in the things of this world, We are to stop and to have joy, and not just a little bit of joy, but we're to rejoice greatly at what we are about to look at. Joy is to be something that is a part of our lives as believers. God commands us over and over again to to rejoice or to greatly rejoice. There's this incredible picture in the, in the book of Zephaniah where, where God says, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Using the same phrase there. Sing, O, o daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart. 
So sing, shout, be glad and rejoice with all your heart, with everything that is inside of you. O daughter of Jerusalem. Once again, the same phrase that we find in Zechariah 9.9. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He's cast out your enemy. Rejoice, sing, shout, be glad, rejoice with all your heart because, because the Lord has taken away your judgments and he's cast out your enemy. It is to cause our hearts to do something. And it's not, well, I guess I should be thankful. It is to cause our hearts to, to literally just to shout, to sing, to rejoice with everything that's inside of us. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord, your God, is in your midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And so God tells us, rejoice, sing, shout, rejoice with all your heart because God has cast away your judgments. He's cast away your enemies. He's made it happen to where he is in your midst and he will save you. And then he tells us about himself. The God that we serve, the God who sent his son, his only begotten son, will rejoice over you and I with gladness. He rejoices over us. He'll quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. What an incredible Incredible thought to, to, to think of God rejoicing over us with singing. The joy that is in the one who has saved us. And so we're told to rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, shout. O daughter of Zion, O daughter of Jerusalem, God's people who are who are here are called to rejoice, those who belong to him, and they're to shout. You, you see in, in, in our passage there in Luke 19 where it says, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. And so you see these disciples and they're walking with Jesus, he's, he's on this colt, he's on the foal of the donkey, he's, he's there and, 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 and there's clothes that are on the colt and Jesus is sitting on, on the colt and there's people putting their palm branches down and, and the disciples start to shout. It's not something that's quiet, it's not something where there's it's a long walk, it's not something where they're, they're, they're complaining or anything like that, they, they are just recounting the mighty works that they had seen. In their minds, they're walking and they're, they're picturing the, possibly the feeding of the 5,000, possibly Jesus walking on water, possibly being in, in, in those times where he just caused Lazarus to rise from the dead. He's healed people who were lepers. He put his fingers in the ears of the deaf man and made him able to hear. He, he put the, the mud in the blind man's eyes and made him able to see. He, 
He told people to take up their bed and to walk. He, he healed people all around him, whoever came to him, whether it be a withered hand or whether it be someone who was demon-possessed. He healed people all over the place, and they are walking with him. And there's rejoicing that's taking place. Rejoicing, joy that is just coming out of their hearts and, and praise that's coming out of their mouths. And you could picture these guys where it's not quiet, it's loud. And all of them together, saying together, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king, the one who is on this colt, the foal of the donkey. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the king. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. The Pharisees are there saying, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're looking and the disciples are just overflowing with, with praise and loud voices and the the Pharisees are there watching Jesus coming down and, and, and there as the lambs are going alongside of him and the people are laying down palm branches and the Pharisees look and say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Make them stop. Make them stop. They're, they're joyful and they're singing and they're shouting. They're making loud noises. They're, they're singing of what you have done. Make them stop. They're upset by this. They're upset of what's taking place. And Jesus turns to them and says, if, if I tell you that these should keep silent, if I, if I tell the disciples to keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. These rocks, these stones would immediately cry out. Pastor Don was teaching us through Joshua that in that particular area, it was that area where it very well could have been those memorial stones that they had placed there after crossing through the Jordan. It may have been right there in that same exact place where God's judgment is stopped. And you remember it stopped all the way back up to Adam, the city of Adam and and. and and there is the Ark of the Covenant was going through and this picture of God going through and the wrath that's coming down and God stops it and God's people go through and he tells them to take stones out of the river, to take those 12 stones to make a memorial so that they, when the kids see that particular memorial that they would ask, what is this for? And, and they were to tell them like, this is where God saved his people. This is where they walked through the Jordan and there was this memorial that was set up and the same picture that is there of, of Christ who is there coming there to save them. Just as there was the Ark of the Covenant that had God there, the presence of God there. Now you have the Son of God there walking through the same exact area and, and, and going to, to be that sacrificial lamb that would be sacrificed for us. And Jesus says, if, if I tell these guys to stop, these, the very stones would cry out. Very stones would, would start to sing. I, 
It must happen this way. It has to happen this way. Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. It has to happen this way. The stones would cry out the magnitude of what was taking place. The disciples singing, the disciples shouting, the people there saying, saying, Hosanna to the son of God, David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The king of Israel is here. All of this singing and the palm branches and all that was taking place was just majestic as you see God orchestrating all of it from the colt, the foal of the donkey, there tied up to the exact day that it would take place. The lambs all going through and the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world going along that same path there. All of it must happen and the praise that was taking place was incredible. call to shout. The emotion in which we are to experience when we think of our Savior is not to be half-hearted. When we think of what it is that God has done for us, It is not something that ought to make us lukewarm. We're not to be in a place in which we have lost our first love. It is not something that should make us quiet, make us reserved, make us apathetic. I think of what's taking place in, in, in our salvation, and I, I think of, of how the angels were present. They're watching what's taking place. And the angels were told, came and, and, and said things like, rejoice. Unto you a, a child is given, a son is born. He's to be called Jesus. He is going to save you. He's your savior. The, the multitudes of these angels all in, in one accord praising him watching of what's taking place, and they're seeing this. The one who has always existed, who has all power, has all glory. Them watching him become a man, a baby, born in, in, in place in a, a, a borrowed little cradle there in a, a manger there in a stable, not having any place to even lay his head, not having any ground to call his own, Foxes have holes. Christ had no place to lay his head. They're watching this. They're watching him take on our flesh, become fully man, give up his glory, and they're seeing all of this take place, and they they cry out to him. They praise him. In one accord, they worship him. Watching this take place as far as him, the one who had all glory and all honor, being there lowly on a colt, the foal of a donkey, walking down. This was something that had to have just blown them away. Our Savior, our God, the character of our God, 
The kind of love that he would show us that he'd become the least of all men and that he would go on that path, all of them knowing that he was going on that path, Christ knowing that he was going on that path with all of those lambs with him, knowing that he was going to be slain, knowing that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb, knowing that he was going to be crucified. The details that had been given before and Jesus going, knowing this. And not only that, but just seeing his heart where he's going on this path and he just begins to weep over Jerusalem. The heart of our Savior who's there and he just loves us. He's showing us the full extent of his love as he is there and he is going to where he knows he'll be crucified. And these things, we're told, are, they ought to make us shout joyfully to him. In Psalm 95, it says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. You see, in, in Revelation, where it tells us that there's this multitude and there's this loud voice, this loud voice that's coming from them, and, and this multitude that's there in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. This loud voice that's coming from the midst of us, his people, and it's, it's not quiet, it's not reserved, it's passionate. There's emotion that's there, it's gladness, it's rejoicing with all that is within our hearts because we're praising him for what he's done. And it tells us, behold, your king is coming to you, your king. He's our king. Notice that it says, behold. It's something that we, we, it is to get our attention. Behold, your king, thy king, your king, God's people, your king. It's not just the king, it is your king. Is coming to you. Behold, this should shock you. Your king, your king is coming to you, and he is our king. He's the creator. And he is the sustainer of the universe. He is infinite in every aspect of his being and his perfections. He alone is the absolute sovereign over all creation. He's all powerful and he has all wisdom and all knowledge. In his good grace through the plan of salvation, he determined to redeem us for himself, that we might be saved by grace and that we might worship him and joyfully serve him for all eternity. We were purchased by his precious blood and we belong to him, our king. He's our Lord and he rules and reigns in our lives. He's the the center of all that we aim to do and we love him. We revere him. We adore him. We desire to obey him and all that he commands us. He's he's clothed with, with all majesty and with all glory and with all honor. Pilate said to him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said, it is as you say. It is as you say. Pilate wrote and put a title on the cross, and he wrote on it saying, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And, and the, many of the Jews read this title, and it came to a place. It, it was written in Hebrew and Greek and Latin. And, and the chief priests and the Jews came to Pilate saying, Don't write that. Don't write the King of the Jews. Don't, don't put up there above his cross the King of the Jews. Change it. Can you write I, that, that he said I'm the king of the Jews? Change what it says. Take that thing down. It, it says king of the Jews, right? He said that he's king of the Jews. And Pilate answered and says, what I've written, I've written. I'm not changing it. 
What I've written, I've written. God using Pilate to just write king of the Jews there above the cross. And we see, behold, your king is coming to you. Your king. He comes from the lineage of King David. And we're told that the Messiah would come through him. 2 Samuel 7, 16. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. From the lineage of David, this would happen. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. He would be king forever. The angel came to to Mary and said, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. He is the king. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. We're told in Ephesians that he's, God has seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age that is to come. And he's put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church. He is king. Philippians 2.9 says, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He's king. Behold, your king is coming to you, and he is king. Revelation 17, 14 says, These will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords, and he is the king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. That would be us. He is our king. He is just. Christ is just, perfectly righteous, without sin, and he brings with him everlasting righteousness. When you see those lambs going up, going up that, that road, those lambs without spot or blemish or any such thing, all of those lambs going up, then you see Christ there on that colt, the foal of the donkey, going up that same path, and yet you know he was tempted in all things, yet without sin. Even those who were crucifying him noticed that he had done nothing wrong. Without sin, the entirety of his life, fulfilling all righteousness, perfection. And there he is. He's just. And he has salvation. And having salvation. He's coming there on that colt, the foal of the donkey. And he has with him salvation. Isaiah 12, 1 and 2 says, And in that day you'll say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away. And you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For Yahweh, the Lord, is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He has become my salvation. He is there on a colt, the foal of the donkey, and he has become my salvation. The only way that I could ever be saved is through him, 
Christ, the perfect lamb on that colt, the foal of the donkey, going to be sacrificed. He is my salvation. Romans 1.16, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. The power of God to salvation. Christ had salvation as he went. And he was lowly. Lowly. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of, as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He was lowly. He made himself of no reputation. He found in the appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And then we're told, even the death of the cross. Isaiah 53, looking forward to this, says, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. In verse 7 of Isaiah 53, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He came lowly, lowly, in humility. It's this picture of him on this colt, the foal of a donkey, and it should shock us. There on this little tiny colt, coming in humility, coming there to be sacrificed. The picture of the colt, the foal of the donkey, is not just the lowliness. It also is coming in peace. There were kings that would come on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. There were people who would do that. But it meant that they were coming in peace. Because when a king came, when a king came and he wasn't coming in peace, he came on a horse. And he came with power. That is not what was taking place here. We're told in the book of Zechariah that he was... or. That he was to come, and he was to come on a colt, the foal of a donkey, because he was coming in as a sacrificial lamb, and he was coming to lay down his life. He was coming to bring peace. And so we see this picture here, and it is it's amazing. Palm branches in their hands. We see in Leviticus 23, verse 40, that it tells them to take down these branches of palm trees. They're to rejoice before the Lord, their God. Let's look at the fact that he will come again and it will be different next time. And we're going to close with that. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. In Revelation 7, 9, it says, John says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one can number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Before the Lamb. 
They're clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out with a loud voice. Do you see any similarities here? It's awesome. There's this great multitude which no one could number. And they came from all nations, all tribes, all peoples, all tongues. You and I, by the grace of God and through faith in Lord Jesus Christ, will be amongst these. They're standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and we have white robes on, and we got palm branches in our hands. And we're crying out, and it's loud. It's loud. And we're saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Do you see the majesty who, that is here as far as the king? The king, the same one who came on the colt, the fool of the donkey, the same one in which they waved palm branches to and cried out with loud voices. We also will be before the throne with white robes, with palm branches in our hands, crying out with a loud voice and saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All of us will be praising him, saying, our salvation, all of it is due to him. He died on the cross for our sins. He took all of our sins upon himself and we'll praise him. And then you just see these angels, all of these angels that stand around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and they just fall on their faces before him. I mean, just fall. They just fall to the ground. They're on their faces and they're worshiping him. Saying, Amen. Amen to what we just said. Salvation belongs to our God. They say, amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And it is the culmination of all of it. And the angels just look and say, all the glory goes to him. He's our king. He's our king. And then lastly, in Revelation 19, we will see that he won't be coming next time on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Revelation 19, 11, Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. You remember that the colt, the foal of a donkey, is coming in peace, humility. He's coming on a white horse in which it's judgment. And he, sat, he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in, in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, 
And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And then I saw an angel standing in the sun. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, And those who sit on them, the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beasts, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. And then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. You look at this, he's not coming lowly and on a donkey. He's coming on a white horse to judge the earth. And who is it that is saved? Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The one who came as the sacrificial lamb up to Jerusalem to be sacrificed. And those who believe in him, we're told, will not perish but have everlasting life. Those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life and whom he died for. And whom he saved through faith in him. Those are the ones whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Everyone else, he's coming on a horse and he is coming to judge. And the birds will be filled with their flesh. Be just as absolutely certain as, as, as you could see from Daniel 9 to, to Christ coming on Palm Sunday, the exact day. You can be just as sure that there will be a day where he comes on a white horse and he'll be coming to judge. And then you see us who are saved. Revelation 21.2 Then I, John, saw the holy city in New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And once again, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The city had no need, verse 23, of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light. Verse 27, and there shall, be, there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Awesome. It's Palm Sunday. May there be a little bit of Yes. And may we rejoice greatly. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. I pray that there would be rejoicing greatly, shouting loud voices coming from within our hearts, even as we sing praises to you now, for you are our king. You're our king. You're just. You bring to us salvation. 
You came lowly on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You came in your perfect timing on that perfect day to be that lamb that would be slain for us. God, please help us to see the weight of that, the magnitude of that, the praiseworthiness of that. And may us, your people, with all of the holy angels, respond by praising you and worshiping you with words like salvation belongs to you, our God. You are the one who has saved us. And may the fruit of that just be followed by lives that adore you, worship you, live for you, desire to obey you in every area of our lives. May we go and proclaim this good news, the gospel, to the uttermost parts of this world, Lord. For you have saved us. You are our Savior. You are our King. Thank you, Jesus, for this great salvation in which you have saved us with. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.